0: Underdog podcast, where we talk G5 football and only G5 football for Underdog Dynasty. Welcome back to the Conference USA edition of the show. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking about what went down in Week Three in Conference USA, and then also preview Week Four for the Conference USA football. Uh, Satchel Ziffer joining me again, the former kicker punter at Old Dominion and Boston College. How you doing this morning, sir?
1: I'm doing great. How about you, man?
0: Can't complain. Apparently, they, they let us host another one. We didn't do too bad in the last one.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I guess so. I, I thought I did terrible, but, you know, what the what the viewer wants is what they're going to get. So.
0: <laughs> Luckily, they let anybody do these, apparently. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so, let's just jump into the recap of what happened in Week 3. Uh, UTEP still struggling heavily. They went down 63-16 to 16 against Arizona. The Wildcats scoring 35 points in the second quarter alone. UTEP, uh, two and 12 on third down with 17 rushing yards.
1: Yeah, it was just it was just an abysmal performance on their end. I mean, 228 yards total. I have 17 yards rushing and two of 12. Um, the other thing that I have to bring up about this game is Arizona was four or four on a fourth down. So just, you know, what is the defense even doing? I mean, they're just kind of letting up all this, and they're giving up 300-plus yards rushing and 175 yards passing in this game. So I, I I just don't see any positives from UTEP right now. And, yeah, so going forward, it's going to be a rough year for the Miners. So.
0: Right, proving us all right in thinking that uh, that head coach definitely on the hot seat. So we'll see if they can pull it together and not go 0-12 uh, <laughs> at some point. Moving on to UAB. This was a great result for them. They beat Coastal Carolina at home, 30-23. to 23. We talked a little bit about how UAB needed to clean up their mistakes last week, and then once they did, they'd definitely be on the road to being a legitimate threat. Mm-hmm. Um, and they definitely did, uh, even though Coastal Carolina outgained them 327 at 274, uh, including 227 yards rushing compared to UAB's mm-hmm. 169. But uh, really what the difference was in this game... Coastal Carolina, nine penalties and also three interceptions thrown by the Chanticleers. And then UAB, just five penalties and only turned it over once.
1: Yeah, I mean... I mean, I would have the same thing. Costa was nine for 23 on the day with three interceptions throwing the ball. Um, I think that secondary is really like coming to their own. I mean, we had I think we had two of their corners that came when the whole transferring of players happened, and uh, one of them went back. I forget his name, but he went back right away. And that secondary seems to know what they're doing. And I think going forward, they're going to be the way to go. Um, Costa did outgain them, but. Um, at the end of the day, it was just the South defense that really you know did what they had to do. and then when they were up 16 to 23 after having that scored for a while, um, they came away with that six play 64 drive to make it a two score game late in the fourth and I think that's really you know just showing that they have that uh, that poise to be able to do something like that. I think a uh, positive sign for the blazers moving forward.
0: Absolutely. And you give credit to UAB's defense and deservedly so, but I have to shout out UAB's rushing attack. Um, the tandem of Spencer Brown and Carlos Stevens just mm-hmm. have looked really solid throughout this early part of the season. And they're both only freshmen.
1: Yeah. And one, two punch. And I think moving forward, you have a lot of, uh, a lot of promise within those two. I mean, I would say it's kind of similar to what, you know, Jeremy Cox and Ray Lowry have done, even though Ray Lowry's out right now, but um moving forward, you know, you're going to be excited for those two moving forward. And that whole team, just in general, I mean, having just came back in, a lot of young people playing, a lot of young people getting the experience they need to get. So just be excited for UAB football in the future. So
0: Yeah, I think we all are at this point, and hopefully they continue to produce results like this down the road and get UAB back to being a being a power in this league. Moving on to the North Texas-Iowa matchup. The Mean Green mm-hmm. actually led this one 14-10 at the half. Uh, Iowa ultimately wins 31-14 to 14 in that one. But that first half for North Texas, they looked okay, just couldn't couldn't hold on
1: yeah and i think i was actually i'm not gonna rub it in your face or anything but i think i was right <laughs> when i said the unt had the better chance of winning this one other than mtsu but i think it's just the story of the difference between power five and non-power five and just like the depth that comes with you know being able to recruit pretty heavily and recruit strongly in the areas that they had and unc was definitely the better team in the first half in every way i mean they forced the two fumbles they only got one of them back but they stopped the hot on in a fourth and four they were probably gonna go into the half 17 to 7 at worst if they hadn't had that miscue with the block on the field goal um could have been more if they recovered the second fumble, too. Um, like I said, second half kind of changed everything up. Um, Iowa also, coaching-wise, they were able to like game plan better for that second half, and they came out. UNT punted three times. Iowa scored three touchdowns, and by then it was over.
0: Feel free to rub it in my face. I don't care. But uh, <laughs> I just need to point out, moving on to the MTSU at Minnesota game, Middle Tennessee losing that one 34-3. However, showing that they're not much without Brent Stockstill, and had I known that Brent Stockstill had the injury (laughs) that that he used to stay. Yeah, correct. Yeah, had I known that, I probably wouldn't have said that because their offense is just not much without him right now. Uh, Sophomore backup, John Rizua, 19 of 34 uh, for 135 yards with two picks in that one.
1: Yeah, I still see – I don't think their offense is great without him, and it kind of makes it one-dimensional. Yeah, the the offense was abysmal for – MTSU, too. I like using that word. It's my word of the day. Um, they only have 320 yards. They turned over the ball twice. Uh, it'll be interesting for them, the game plan this week, especially if Stockstill can't go again. Um, I think a cracked sternum is probably going to make it pretty hard for him to go this week, but we'll see. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. Those, those chest injuries are a little tough to deal with. And uh, as his dad, uh, Rick Stockstill, said after the game, if uh, doctors weren't invented, he'd be playing, which I have. No idea what that means. I've dissected that statement a hundred different ways. No idea um, what you're talking about, Rick.
1: So basically what coaches, coaches feel like you could play through anything. You could, you could literally be decapitated and be like, I'll oh, just shake it off. Just walk it off. You'll play again. So, I mean, I, I've seen, I've seen players, you know, half at like the BC, at BC and whatnot, have you know broken, you know, broken or torn hem, hips, hip flexors or torn hamstrings and just go into the lo- locker room, you know, get a shot of insulin or not <laughs> insulin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of, of, of course, or whatever it's called. <laughs> More of
0: just having a little diabetic episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. Um, yeah uh that was bad uh and just going going right back out on the field and playing you know through the pain and just you know coaches kind of i mean it's getting better where coaches are starting to you know say hey you know you need to calm it down but sometimes they they just you know they want the best they want the best for the team instead of just the player so
0: yeah yeah um you know interesting mindset there but speaking of your personal experiences as a player, Old Dominion, uh, un- unable to get the win against North Carolina there at home, uh, fifty-three to twenty-three was the final score. Uh, what'd you think of that one?
1: Actually, like, and I kind of alluded to this when we were chatting was, I think ODU really could have kept in this game and maybe won this game if they had the quarterback, the freshman quarterback Stevie Williams. And I mean, this is a kid that you guys are all gonna have to look out for moving forward, Conference USA. He is, he is here and he's here to stay. He's six foot four, he's like two hundred. Like five pounds, I think. Um, he's a big kid. He's he's something that ODU hasn't had in a quarterback, and I mean, David Washington was kind of it, but David wasn't even still wasn't that tall. I and mean, this is a big guy. He's very mobile. He can throw the ball well. He has just such an incredible presence when he's out there, where he there like he was playing an ACC team. He's 17 years old, and it didn't look like he was phased at all. It looked like he was just right at home where he was supposed to be. So I actually think in that North Carolina game, you know, even though there was some big plays and our defense kind of shut down halfway through the game, this could have been a very different game going forward if we just started the quarterback that, you know, the players have kind of rallied around. So,
0: Last week he didn't really seem too confident that Old Dominion was going to have much of a chance against this Tar Heel team. After what you mm-hmm. saw, do you feel a little bit better about the state of the team in general?
1: So, especially with the quarterback I do, I mean, I, you know, I'm i really good friends with Blake Larusa, who was named the starter at the beginning of the season, um, but just, you know, how this kid played and just the poise, and, you know, his one of his first couple throws was a 70-yard touchdown to Travis Fulgham, and you just, those kind of things you can't teach, he's just who he is, and, you know, he just, he had some offers, he ended up coming to ODU, and he just wanted to prove to all the big schools that he could do it, so I think, it'll be awesome to see him going forward and with these with the wide outs that we have even though we don't have some of the guys I mean Jonathan Duhart was our best wide receiver he's out for the season uh, Melvin Vaughn we don't know where he is he's MIA when it comes to playing um, something must be wrong that they're not really announcing right now and then uh, Ray Lowry he's he it's announced that he has a torn hamstring so he's probably out for the season he'll apply for a medical. So. We're going to, you know, it, it's, it was concerning, but now that I think we have a quarterback and we don't have to just rely solely on Jeremy Cox to kind of just rough and tough the defense, it, it, I'm actually excited. I think we can actually be a contender this year, I, real, like really a contender.
0: Yeah, early on I, I thought Old Dominion would contend for the league as well, and that was mostly just because their defense was scary, especially that D-line, but now that that mm-hmm. offense is kind of coming into its own. Um, You know, I I have to agree with you. I think they have a legitimate shot. Um, Mm -hmm. Moving on to people that don't have a legitimate shot, uh, Charlotte (laughs) going going down uh, 35-31 to against North Carolina A&T. But we kind of saw that coming in last week's show as well. North Carolina A&T, just a crazy good offense at any level of football, Mm -hmm. and they just were too much for the 49ers. Meanwhile, down in uh, Boca Raton, Lane Kiffin able to get his first win as the head coach of Florida Atlantic. They win that game against Bethune Cookman, 45-0, 439 yards on the ground, and four rushing touchdowns for FAU in that game. Did they take a page at a Navy's playbook or what?
1: I'm not sure what they did, but, you know, like I said last week, I mean, they're gonna, that was gonna be a ground game no matter what. I mean, it was kind of a, I mean, they had just gotten out of Irma. The whole field was kind of just, you know, probably torn up. I I didn't get to see much of the game, but, you know, from what I saw, I mean, 619 yards of offense speaks for itself. I mean, played an amazing game on the ground. They had a, You know, the 117 yards uh, allowed by Bethune-Cookman, who I thought was coming into this game hot, and I thought it was going to be actually a really competitive game. But, I mean, just the fact that they had so many yards, they were able to, like, kind of, you know, create the offense they wanted to create from Lane Kiffin. (laughs) And they had 32 first downs. I mean, they still had some of the uh, mistakes. I mean, they had two turnovers against an FCS opponent, but... um, I think things are looking up for the guys, and um, you know Greg Howell Jr. is a really good running back. And moving forward, you you got to look for him to be you know a strong asset for this Owl team.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Speaking of things looking up, Marshall twenty-one to zero win over Kent State. Uh, That Kent team not very good, but Marshall again getting things back on the right track. Uh, UTSA a fifty-one to seventeen blowout win over Southern at home. That Roadrunner team looking more and more like a contender every day. Yes, Uh, sir. And then moving on to Southern Miss, they played at Louisiana Monroe and got the win, 28-17. to 17. Huge offensive day for them. Uh, we kind of thought that ULM's defense was going to provide more of a test, but mm-hmm. uh, 219 yards for running back Ito Smith and 534 total yards in that one for
1: Southern Miss. Yeah, they controlled the ball great, and you know, I... I... I think we disagreed on this and you thought it was going to be kind of a blowout. I thought it was going to be kind of closer, but this game shouldn't have been 28 17. It, it was just an offensive, uh, you know, day for USM. And I think moving forward, you got to look at them to be kind of the offensive bad boys. Now that I mean, between Western Kentucky and Louisiana tech, who we're going to talk about next, mm-hmm. um, they, I mean, they just kind of proved that, you know, last year was a fluke. They're back in it. It's time for them to kind of regain their control of this conference, maybe. Um, they outgained the team by 200 yards. I think USN, or ULM is actually a good team, and I think they're going to contend in the Sun Belt. But this team looks to, they're going to score a lot of points this season. They're going to be a fun team to watch.
0: For sure. There's just so many playmakers on that offense, and I really mm-hmm. can't wait to see, especially Ito Smith. Uh, yeah. Greg's playing the quarterback. Their whole receiver core is just really good. I, I agree. They're going to be a fun offensive team to watch. Um, mm-hmm. And then moving on to Louisiana Tech at Western Kentucky. Womp,
1: womp, womp.
0: WKU losing on a late field goal to the Bulldogs, 23-22. to uh, Jonathan Barnes, LA Tech's kicker that uh, made the clutch three-pointer there. Uh, overall uh, really a much better game for Western um, early in the week. They kind of tried to put the fear of God into um, Jimmy Sims at left tackle trying to get mm-hmm. him to play better. And ultimately I think it worked to an extent. The running game looked so much better, um, much better day than they had against uh, Illinois where they only had yeah. six yards. But again, not really saying much there total 141 yards in on the ground. 226 yards passing however if you had told me this summer that mike white would have more rushing touchdowns than he has <laughs> passing touchdowns at this point in the year i would have said you were crazy because I, for some reason that offense is just not sinking in as quickly as anybody thought it would in bowling green
1: yeah it's just a, it was just a really interesting game i think i mean uh i never expected it to be 13 to 15 and a half between two teams for probably the most like Known prolific offenses in CUSA. Uh, mm-hmm. It seemed as if like Western Kentucky was going to run away with this game. Yeah, you know I mean early. I mean they scored the that second touchdown. It was fifteen to three. I was like, okay, the game's over. I'm just gonna go back to watching the ODU game. Um, and then like, you know, they kind of were able to just they kind of let Louisiana Tech stay in this game. And if you give a team hope, then that's going to come back to bite you. And, you know, Western Kentucky missed that 30-yard field goal. I mean, that was a gimme field goal. He should have had that coming from the guy who missed a 28-yarder against FAU. Um, it was an impressive defensive uh, – or Western Kentucky had a good, uh, you know, five-play uh, defensive thing on the first drive of the second half, But and then went on the 12-play drive. But they basically just allowed Louisiana Tech to stay in, and, you know, they had an interception – you know a few minutes left in the game and they could have they could have easily ran out the clock if they had just gotten a few first downs but they went three and out gave the ball back to a really good louisiana tech offense and you know they went on that eight play 58 yard drive to set up Barnes with that 21 yard field goal and you know i i think while the o-line did get better they still gave up four sacks and it could have been more i mean the progressing row but uh and that's what you want to see but still you know that that's a tough game to lose so absolutely and credit to Louisiana Tech's
0: offense, like you talk about, Jamar Smith, uh, Jamar Smith, 22 to 39, uh, 306 yards through the air with a touchdown and also uh, one interception. He played very well. And like you were talking about, Louisiana Tech's defense uh, sacked Mike White uh, four times. Um, this pass protection again has to get better they are just struggling big time uh,
1: and and you got to assume that this is this is a part of the reason mike white is actually having to run the ball more is because he's having to leave the pocket earlier he's having to kind of make plays with his legs now because he, he doesn't have that time that he used to, like that quarterbacks are used to having in western kentucky to kind of air the ball out how he wants
0: so yeah exactly um 10 sacks given up by Western Kentucky. That is the worst in conference USA right now. Um, They have to give him time to actually execute. Um, And again, week week in and week out, I don't want to pin the performance of this Hilltopper team on one position group because everybody needs to be playing a little bit better right now. But if you have a superstar quarterback in Mike White, um, you've got to let him, you got to let him fly. Uh, mm. To borrow a line from uh, the other guys with Will Farrell and uh, yeah. Mark Wahlberg, he's a peacock. <laughs> I'm a peacock. Gotta, <laughs> he's a peacock. You gotta <laughs> let him fly. Um, but again, ten sacks is not good, especially when you're going up against a Ball State team this weekend that has one of the better pass rushes in all of FBS.
1: Yeah, I agree completely.
0: All right, so that's my rant. Um, and then <laughs> <laughs> uh, Houston demolished Rice. On their home turf, 38-3, to uh, Rice just – I think we assumed Rice wouldn't be not having a great year after what we saw against Stanford in Week 0, and they're kind of proving us right again.
1: Yeah, they're just – I mean, you look for Rice to be like someone – I mean, I've always seen Rice – like, no matter what, as a competitor, just because the year I came in was the year after they won the conference, but, you know, they just, they, they don't have an edge right now, and, you know, it, look for it to be a bad season, any of you Rice fans, I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, we'll, we'll see how it looks up once the season kind of gets further down the line. FIU at Indiana was supposed to be the other game that weekend, canceled due to Hurricane Irma creating some travel restrictions. But uh, FIU has added another game to their schedule to replace that one. The Panthers are going to play UMass on December 2nd in Miami now.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think UMass originally had a game scheduled with USF for like, October 15th, or one of those mid-October games, and, you know, USF ended up wanting to cancel that game because they wanted to get another game with uh, a AAC opponent, so they got Cincy on the schedule. UMass and FIU both had 11 games then, so they, you know, worked it out to make a game for the second. So, I mean, I guess that kind of, that's conference championship week, right?
0: Is it? October 15th? I,
1: Oh, no, 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 December 2nd. Oh, December.
0: oh December 2nd. Yeah, um, it might so be, maybe. but, uh, I mean, luckily Bush Davis.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was like, going to say, Bush Davis, you do not have confidence, buddy.
0: I was going to say a little, I was going to say that's a roll of a dice, and the more I thought about it, I like, eh, no, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> pretty, pretty safe bet that uh, the Panthers at this point in the year are not going to be worried about what they're doing, conference championship week, but we'll see. Um, Moving on to week four, Um, no Friday games this week, but we do have two Conference USA teams taking on power five opponents, uh, your old Dominion Monarchs on the road at number 13, Virginia Tech on the ACC network at 2 p.m. East Coast time. In Blacksburg, Virginia, how do you see that one shaking out?
1: It's an interesting game because, you know, I, I have all this new, like, found confidence for this freshman quarterback, but at the same time, 17 years old, going into Lane Stadium, that's kind of hard. And hearing into the same man, I mean, I, I've been in those games where big game, you're going into a new stadium, and you're kind of you, – you have all this adrenaline, but at the same time, you're playing one of the better teams in the country. Um, I want to say that we keep it close early, and I think um, – I mean, Stevie Williams will be able to, like, you know, make some big plays, but at the end of the day, I don't see us pulling this one out. And I think, think uh, as much as it pains me, I think Virginia Tech wins this game pretty badly. I think 52-14 and 52-21, something around there.
0: Uh, I'm going to take Virginia Tech in that one, too. Uh, like you were talking about, Old Dominion looking a lot better than they were in the early weeks of the season. But, again, Virginia Tech is the number 13 team in the country for a reason. I think they're going to prove that again on Saturday Next game, Louisiana Tech Bulldogs at the South Carolina Gamecocks. That's going to be at 3:30 p.m. East Coast time on the SEC Network, also on the Watch ESPN app. The uh, Gamecocks are tough to play at home. I think Carolina wins this one. They're going to score a lot. Uh, let's just—I'm going to say uh, 42 to uh, 42 to 21 is going to be this game. Uh, like I said, Carolina scores a lot. They've had a pretty good year up to date. They're two and one, uh, despite coming off of a loss against Kentucky at home, which is highly unusual for them. Yeah,
1: that's gross. <laughs> <laughs> and if you watch any SEC football, you know that Kentucky coming in, coming to your place, you should never lose that game. Sorry. So exactly. Uh,
0: I actually lived in Columbia for a short time, and it was, I believe it was Judavian Clowney's freshman year. And they beat Kentucky at home, uh, sixty-three to three, I think it was. And yeah,
1: yeah, it's, so, it's so, just how they are. Yes,
0: and I mean, anytime you lose to Kentucky on your home turf as an SEC team, that's that's going to be a joke for a couple of weeks at least. Um, but yeah. but I think the Gamecocks are going to be playing angry because of that, and I think they have a much improved week this week and kind of take it to Louisiana Tech despite the improvements that the Bulldogs have shown. And then. The next game on the docket there, Charlotte 49ers hosting the Georgia State Panthers in Charlotte at uh, 6 p.m. Does Charlotte have a shot to get in the win column this week?
1: Actually, yeah, that's kind of surprising, but um, I think we're, <laughs> we're somehow going to see Charlotte win this game. These two are both so just god-awful that it'll be probably a really fun game to watch solely due to the fact that they are both so god-awful um georgia state has lost two to two fcs opponents if you count idaho as being one of them um the 49ers have only lost one so they're winning in that column too they're both oh and three uh both teams give up over 140 yards more of off of um defense than they produce on offense i think the game's going to be a close one but i think uh charlotte being at home charlotte kind of you know being maybe a little bit of a better team makes the difference and they win 28 to 17
0: Fair enough. 28 17. I'm going to go with 21 14. I think there's not going to be a ton of scoring in this one, but uh, mm-hmm. we'll see. And also, just to be different for.
1: So you have Charlotte winning? Um, have Charlotte. Hmm.
0: Honestly, yeah. I'm going to go with uh, Charlotte <laughs> winning this one 21 14. Georgia State. Um, I've I've watched a little bit of that one. They are (laughs) so bad. They are very bad. Next game on the docket: UAB at North Texas. It's going to be at uh, 5:30 p.m. local time in Denton. There, I think this one's going to be really interesting because, uh, like we were kind of talking about earlier, UAB's rushing attack is getting more and more threatening. Uh, Both teams cut mistakes a bit from week to week, and being two of the most heavily penalized teams in the league up to this point. Um, mm-hmm. if if these teams can put together uh, a relatively mistake-free game of football, I, I think we're going to be in for a really entertaining matchup.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is going to close on paper, no matter what you see. Both teams average mid-30s in points. Uh, UNT allows a little bit more on points, but UNT also has more uh, 100 yards more on offense, but also gives up 100 more yards on defense. I mean, it's just an interesting game, all in all. Um, I really like this UNT team. I can't say that enough. Mm-hmm. After a tuss, tough loss last week to a, an Iowa team, they were leading as we talked about before. Um, they're just they're kind of exceeding everyone's expectations in the conference this year. They just seem like a team I'll generally pick in week in and week out to like kind of win, unless they're playing you know one of the powerhouses. Uh, they have a very potent offense. they um, it's an even offense. They rush and pass both really well. Uh, that plays to their favor with the UAB team that really relies on their secondary to you know get the job done. Um, so I think the big plays on the ground will be the difference maker. I think UNT pulls it out 38 to 27.
0: Interesting. I'm going to go with UAB in this one, honestly. Ooh. Yeah, just, I, you know, UAB played really well in their one road game at Ball State, but again, just the mistakes were a little bit too much. But yeah. they've kind of shown week-to-week improvement that they are cutting out the, the penalties and the other uh, dumb mistakes. But I think this is a North Texas team that's, is while good offensively, I think UAB has kind of ironed out the kinks on uh, their defense enough from that game against Ball State, where their offense was able to put up 51 on them, and Ball State, which we'll talk about a little bit later, starting to look like a legit contender in the MAC there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think UAB is going to be able to win this one in a relatively low-scoring affair, uh, 28 to uh, 28 to uh, 14.
1: Ooh, okay. Uh, I can. Yeah.
0: So we'll see what happens there. And then, meanwhile, uh, Florida Atlantic heading up to the frozen tundra of Buffalo, New York. Lane Kiffin gets to freeze his butt off against a one and two <laughs> Bulls team. Um, but I, ultimately, I think the Owls are going to get another win this week here.
1: You do. Oh, that's going to be interesting. I actually said the other way around. I think twenty four twenty one Buffalo. Uh, they got some confidence back, back with that win, but they're heading to a Bulls team that is just a you know i think a better team than them then and they're better than one and two may imply they two good teams in army and minnesota that they played and they played them really well um and then they played colgate and that's their win of the season but you know those those were supposed to be gimme wins against minnesota and army and you know Minnesota they lost 17-7. Army they lost 21-17. So um, it's going to be an interesting game. I think FAU's secondary has been good, so that'll be a great battle between you know the passing game and the secondary. Uh, I think U- UB just turns out to have you know a stronger defensive uh, front than FAU can handle, and I think that's what kind of changes the game.
0: Uh, 24-21. And if I didn't mention already, that one at 6 p.m. at University of Buffalo. You can catch it on ESPN3. Um, next game with a MAC opponent, Middle Tennessee hosting the Bowling Green Falcons at 6 p.m. on uh, ESPN3 in Murfreesboro. Uh, Brent Stockskill and Whiteout Richie James are still listed as questionable. Uh, despite that, MTSU opening as a 10 and point favorite, which is probably justified because the yeah. Bowling Green team is 0 and 3 and not very good.
1: Yeah, I mean, they had the two power five losses to the Big Ten teams, Michigan State and Northwestern, but then they lost to a South Dakota State team. And given South Dakota State is a really good team and, you know, they kind of always get ever because of North Dakota State, but that team's really good. But both of these teams are a little beat up right now with Middle Tennessee maybe being just a little more excited about the fact that they don't have to have... Kind of, they're out of their three-week. Let's make a lot of money. Power Five slate. I mean, that's the best way I can put it. I mean, they have three Power Five teams in a row start the season. I don't know who was planning that, but I, I don't suggest doing that again. Um, Bowling Green is a pretty bad team too, so I think MTSU routes them. I think even if Stockstill doesn't play, so 31-14.
0: Okay. I, I'm going to agree and say Middle Tennessee wins this game. However, if both Stockskill and Richie James don't play, I think the margin in this one is going to be uh, annoyingly close for MTSU fans. Um, I'm not going to give a score because anytime I do that, I'm usually wrong. But <laughs> 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 but, MTA, but I think MTSU does win this one regardless. But you know, hopefully they can get Stockskill back along with uh, their their good wide out there and Richie James, and we can kind of see the, the full potential of this offense. Realized mm-hmm. the third game between a Conference USA team and a Mac opponent in Bowling Green, 6 p.m. local time at uh, LT Smith Stadium. The Hilltoppers hosting the Ball State Cardinals. You're going to see a little bit of this in my preview that goes up on Friday, but I think the number one thing that Western has to worry about with this Ball State team is how good, namely, Anthony Winbush is. He is leading all of FBS in sacks right now that entire defensive line is really solid for the ball state cardinals um and then again the offense has to get better they have to give mike white time to play to find his open receivers it's it's an interesting shift in general for western fans this year because the emphasis is no longer on just scoring as many points as possible um and just running it up like it has been with uh, the Jeff Brom and the Bobby Petrino years. Uh, Mike Sanford's emphasis is clearly on winning the time of possession battle, establishing the run game. Um, And uh, just Western fans aren't used to that, which is why they're so uneasy about what's going on right now. And it's while it's sort of a, a less exciting brand of football and it ultimately just, it takes more patience to play and it takes more time to kind of grow into. So that's, a big reason why we're seeing such struggles with uh, the offensive mm-hmm. line. But it is it is improving, but um, it's going to have to improve much, much faster, and they're going to have to give Mike White time, like I've said, about f- five or six times over the course of the show. <laughs> so we'll see. I, I'll t- I think Ball State is going to win this one 35-21. Uh,
1: wow. No, so I actually – First off, random tidbit: Jeff Brom is a fantastic coach. What he's doing right now is just, mm-hmm. <laughs> just amazing with that Purdue team. I mean, yes, it, it's just that it, you know, they're no longer just that little, you know, that little runt that kind of comes in just to lose every game. But anyways, um, I think, you know, they had the common opponent in Illinois, and obviously Ball State played them better. But I kind of had all the same things that you we're talking about I mean I think the defensive line for Ball State is great and I think that'll kind of be the main difference. I don't have it as bad as you do when it comes to the loss, but I still think it's going to be decently bad. I think it's 38 to 28. Um yeah, I I I I like Western Kentucky and I always want to hope that they do well, but I just don't see them beating a team that can, you know, that their main strength on defense is Western Kentucky's worst part on offense. So
0: yeah, absolutely. So I think at the beginning of the year when I said that Western would uh, start this year 4-0, ultimately I predicted that Western would have two losses in the regular season to Vanderbilt and Old Dominion, and they've already kind of matched <laughs> the total of losses I thought they would have. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I ultimately also I think Ball State's team is much, much better than a lot of people thought they were going to be.
1: No, so, yeah, and I said that last week. I think yeah. they're going to actually be a contender yeah. in the MAC. so –
0: yeah, yeah, I agree. So we'll we'll see what happens, but I think Ball State's gonna gonna take this one just because Western is not progressed uh, mm-hmm. at the speed at which we thought. Um, FIU at Rice. That's at six thirty local time in uh, Houston, Texas.
1: This is kind of like that Charlotte game. Um, both teams are pretty awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, They'll probably both end up in the lower tier of their divisions in the conference. Uh, I think FIU is a little fresher after the, the bye week and Rice just playing Houston. Uh, it'll be an interesting game to see how much offense is in this game, as both haven't really scored any points um, all these past few weeks. But at the end of the day, I still think Rice pulls it out 31-21. Next,
0: the UTSA at Texas State. 6 30 PM on ESPN three in San Marcos, the I-35 rivalry. UTSA favored by thirteen. I think that's a pretty safe bet. Dalton Sturm looking great. The entire UTSA offense looking great. Uh Texas yeah. States not so much. I think the ESPN probability index is saying UTSA has an eighty seven point six. Uh, percent chance to win Texas state 12.4%. I think that's again a safe bet. There's, there's not much to be excited about with this Texas state team if you are a Bobcat fan. Um, but UTSA on the other hand, definitely on the upswing just as a program. So I, I think they kind of win that one pretty handily.
1: Yeah. I mean two and zero, and all is good in San Antonio. <laughs> that's a Ryan. <rhyme. laughs> um, they have a good offense, stout defense. They're traveling to San Marcos. Um, I, I think Texas State isn't as bad. I mean, actually, Texas State's just a really interesting team because I looked at them after the Colorado game and I was like, oh, they're awful. You know, they they lost thirty-eight to three. They couldn't do a single thing on offense. And the week before, I think they pay who is they? they played HBU or someone, and only won twenty to twelve, so no offense at all. Um, but then last week they played App State and you know gave them a great game. So it's like I I'm kind of confused about this team. So. I think the major difference is just, you know, UTSA just having that really good offense and just being able to utilize their strengths. Um, And, you know, they have all the confidence in the world. They're 2-0 for the – I don't even know the last, like, time UTSA came in week three 2-0. But, um, yeah, UTSA 31-17. All
0: right. And last game on the docket, uh, UTEP traveling (laughs) to New Mexico State. I believe that's uh, 6 p.m. local time and and mountain time as – Geography is hard. Uh, (laughs) That's going to be on ESPN3. Those damn
1: railroads. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Uh, That one live from Las Cruces. Uh, UTEP probably going to lose again against the Aggies this week.
1: Yeah, they're going to lose. Um, New Mexico State isn't a good team in any regard, but they at least have some type of offense. I mean, any team that, like, with the resemblance of passing a rushing game will put up huge numbers against a UTEP defense that allows 538 yards per game. That's a lot of yards. Yes. <laughs> sorry, sorry, dude. I have to insinuate that. <laughs> like, um, But, yeah, Myers fans, sorry, but I don't think you're – actually finding a win this week and I don't think maybe I don't think you're actually going to find a win this whole season um New Mexico State 42 to 20.
0: Fair enough uh this minor team needs to make a lot of improvements if they want to stand any kind of shot against any opponent this year so we will see what happens that about wraps it up for this week again thank you guys for listening Uh, Make sure you're following at Underdog Dynasty on Twitter. Like us on Facebook as well. Um, Also follow myself and uh, Satchel on Twitter. I am at J-O-E-H-I-O underscore. Uh, Satchel, what is your Twitter handle again?
1: At Ziff underscore 15.
0: Ziff underscore 15. Gotcha. Uh, Yeah. So leave us a review on iTunes if you found us there. Satchel, once again, thanks so much for joining us, uh, joining me, uh, talking football. Uh, Hopefully they let
1: us do more and more of these because it's fun. Yeah, at some point, you know, they got it. They're gonna say no, but you know, for the time <laughs> being, let's 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 ride the ride and just keep it going.
0: Again, thank you everybody for listening. Happy football watching. Have a great weekend.